Hello and welcome to Podcasting the Past, a project of Glasgow University, helping educators collaborate, discuss and teach higher history. I'm Gabrielle Stars and I'll be your host for today's episode. This is episode three, Evaluation of the Reasons for the Economic Crisis of 1929-1933. Don't forget you can check out the link in the podcast description to access our tools and resources. Listen, baby. Do you feel that it's wrong to discriminate against a person solely on the basis of his race or colour? Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. You don't have to worry. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. We are fortunate to be joined today by Dr. Mark McClay, a lecturer in American history at the University of Glasgow, and Beth McIntyre, an educator of history at St. David's RC High School. Lovely to have you both here on Podcasting the Past. So Beth, what are the key challenges in teaching this topic? So there's quite a lot of challenges in issue three. Uh, as you can imagine, it's not a very sought after topic, but mm-hmm. it, it should be because it's, it's like a totally different angle from the rest of the topics and the issues within the USA, I feel. Yeah. Um, it's the issue that a lot of people worry about the most um, and I'd say there's probably three key reasons for that. Um, there's just a general discomfort with numbers and dates. Uh, for pupils, This is I know there's a lot of dates, there's a lot of people, a lot of numbers that you do need to remember within all the issues, but this one, there's just a lot. Like yeah, remembering a lot like, say, yeah. yeah, like how much was lost in that one day from the mm-hmm. Wall Street crash and then like, it sounds really silly, but like dollars and pounds, like they, they they adjust to that as well and they constantly write the wrong thing because they don't really write a dollar sign right, their yeah. whole way through high school till they get to higher. Um, in my experience as well, pupils tend to sort of confuse the factors a lot and like where to place certain pieces of KU because it does overlap at points and that's one of the reasons why they, they struggle. Um, an example that I've come across before uh, teaching it is that for Republican government policies, um, obviously in the key factor you want to be talking about the 1922 Ford and McCumber tariff and that's like one of the, the Republican policies that was in place mm-hmm. and it's a huge one but because at higher you sort of try to save pieces of like new information for your evaluation to strengthen it they all try and save that one um, but then when they come to discuss international economic problems they sort of struggle to insert knowledge that doesn't look like the 1922 tariff right. so like if they are talking about like the um, the other two Republican policies, the Lacey Fair, etc., and then they, in their evaluation, strengthen how it's the key factor. Like all of them argue that that is the biggest one. Um, they then talk about international economic problems, and then talk about the tariff again, and you're like, mm, you've spoken about that. Yeah, so it's like, do you want the that. evaluation or do you want the knowledge? So I think that's something they really struggle with, and they really prefer when they don't discuss international economic problems. Okay. So really separating that and maybe just staying away from the tariff when you teach Republican policies is something I've done. Okay. Yeah. Um, the first year I taught it, like I was teaching it, and obviously it was my first year teaching it. Like I was a wee bit confused with things, but I'm always ready for it. And as long as you're an organised teacher, you'll be fine. 
Um, but just they started asking me like, why, why are you talking about it there? And why are we talking about it there? I'm like, because it's all interlinked. Like the Republican policy was in place. Like the tariff allowed for the problems to then occur. Like it's all interlinked. And it's really nice when, when you see them connect all the dots. Um, the last challenge I'd probably say would be interest, which is not really surprising. Um, our less able pupils that I think are sitting about C level um, really struggle to warm to issue three. Um, I also think the weaker candidates sort of prefer social history. Mm -hmm. um, they prefer talking about people and you know stories of people, and they really struggle to bond with the events of like the Wall Street crash, the problems, the tariff. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest challenges within issue three. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, are there any lessons that you've taught then that you think work especially well? Because I know that a lot of educators do tend to just miss out um, issue three um, because it can cause a lot of confusion for the pupils. But is there maybe any lessons that you think that have worked really well for you in your class? Um, something that me and my colleague do actually throughout the whole of BGE up to higher, well advanced higher as well actually, um, we do these things called histories, which we're very proud of actually. Okay. And we kind of just, we went to this, some sort of sath or some sort of thing I went to and we, we, we were talking about like storytelling and I was like, hmm, we should do something like that. So um, I remember for issue three, we sort of looked into like a true story of somebody that had experienced like the depression. And like we do this for a lot of the lessons. So for example, we do like an S2 course on Titanic. We'll, we'll get a story of somebody that survived the Titanic and we'll, we'll tell the kids it. Um, and you sort of just like, literally tell them a story but they're so en enthralled and so like, engaged in what you're saying because I think people forget like the power of actual storytelling and how you don't always oh, need a worksheet where you need to be doing a task or like doing some writing like them just listening like they get so much information from that before you even discuss the actual factor um, it's funny because they always sign like, oh another story I'm like he's actual love it so stop that <laughs> and they do they do love it they just always pretend they don't um, but I think because of the sort of social side with issue three, like if they can hook onto a character that sort of experienced the depression or sometimes we will just make them up. But um, we kind of started on a story of somebody that had been through the depression. It gave an insight into what people went through. Uh, we also did one on overproduction and underconsumption last year. Uh, and after the story, like the pupils got that. So when we discussed the actual issue sheet and the actual factors, they were like, all right, so like too much was being made in that. And it's the way that they like word it, like they just need it so simplified to the point that like they just they can talk about it or they can write two bits of knowledge on it. Like that is literally mm -hmm. all they need. Um, it doesn't always have to be something that they learn in absolute detail and they need to know the ins and outs. Like they just need to understand two pieces of knowledge. Yeah. Um so that's something that we do quite a lot. Um I think particularly for issue three as well, we do a lot of Jeopardy quizzes. So like a whole lesson will just be like literally a quiz lesson where they just use whiteboards or their phones or whatever, but they think they're like getting a wee sky and they're actually not because they need to place the exact date for the exact thing or the exact answer for a specific um, act or whatever. Um, and every single question, like the harder it is, the, the higher the points and things. And okay. it, it does sound like a little bit childish, but they love the break as well. Yeah. For higher history, they do need that because a lot of it is just, they'll go from double to double to double. It's just reading. Yeah, and they need and it's it. intense. And I remember once reading something like you remember twenty percent of what you say or something of what you read, and then ninety percent of what you say. So like them actually shouting out the answers and stuff really helps. I mean, it's good for the teacher as well to sort of check in and mm -hmm. see where like who actually knows what, and like when they're doing it in groups, who's actually contributing the most. Right. Yeah. So I think it's good for like tracking and monitoring as well, um, and they don't even know you're even looking into that. So, Mark, is there any latest research on this topic? So. 
the Great Depression, as you would imagine, has been of interest to historians ever since it happened. Um, and there is often, often battling sides over what actually caused it, what's the most important factor going on here. And there was definitely a renewed interest in the topic when we had our sort of what was called the Great Recession happen in, in 2008. But there's not some great new breakthrough that's been made. There's still the arguments ongoing. I think one area where historians have started to revise their previous opinion is in regards to the president who is most associated with the Great Depression, and that, that's Herbert Hoover. Um, you know, Hoover famously became so associated, so associated with the, the Depression that they had all sorts of depressing things named after him. You know, you have Hoovervilles being the most obvious one. Um, which were sites of homeless people would camp out. But you also had Hoover blankets, which were where you had uh, people would wrap themselves in newspapers as bed sheets. Um, Hoover flags, which were I think were uh, upturned pockets, and um, to basically show someone was didn't have any money and um, were skint, and so you had an upturned pocket, and so on and so forth. Basically, everything bad in America got called Hoover something at the time, and historians for ages roughly agreed. Yeah, Hoover was awful. He made everything worse. Recently, there's been a bit of correction and there's people saying, actually, you know, Hoover was actually a really impressive figure. He'd done great engineering. He'd helped alleviate poverty during World War I. Um, and he also comes into this with, we have to think about what historical figures, what they had in their mind, what historical memory they had. Herbert Hoover coming into the Great Depression looks at American history and goes, well, we have recessions every now and again whereby the economy retracts, people lose their job, but then everything gets back to normal. And we, and in previous iterations um, of economic recessions, the government hadn't done much and things recovered. So him and, and, and the Republicans who were in government at the time just thought, well, we'll let that happen again, roughly. Now, obviously, things just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And then Hoover does try to do some things that... Um, to try to try and to try and help the situation, he becomes more activist in a way no Republican president had ever really been before. You know, um, tries to get um, wages kept high um, to help employees, although that backfires because you just end up with higher unemployment. And does other, a couple of other things, such as the Reconstruction Finance Corporation. So, essentially, historians have looked at Hoover now and gone, okay, maybe he wasn't just this lassie fair, didn't care at all person. Um, they don't think he's all of a sudden a great president, but just to maybe nuance the understanding there. And, and really emphasize that this is a unique event in US history. There hasn't, there was, has never been another Great Depression. Um, and part of the reason for that is because, uh, you know, politicians in 2008, when we had a recession, looked back, they had the Great Depression to look at, yeah. and they went, oh, look what they did then, we should learn lessons from that. In the 1920s, 1930s, they didn't have that. So what would you say are the kind of key analysis or evaluation points that you want to get across to your pupils? Because at the end of the day, they are sitting in an exam. Yeah, um, this is the thing that pupils always do. They always try to like remember their analysis and I find it really frustrating because that, like that to me, that's not a thing. Like yeah. you don't remember analysis, you remember the knowledge and then you just analyse the knowledge because like I've got really well able, really high achieving pupils that will literally write an essay out four times and then they will remember it. Like I remember doing that at school, that's yeah. what worked for me. But some pupils just need to remember like six bits of KU and then they'll just figure out their analysis. But I think all of ours are just very obsessed with knowledge analysis, knowledge analysis, and they have to know exactly what they're going to word at. And it's just, it's not realistic because in an exam that doesn't happen. You just come up with 
something that analyses the knowledge above. So Especially if then the question they're faced with in the exam is maybe worded slightly different to what they've prepared for yeah. and throw them right off. A hundred percent, yeah. I'll never forget the National Five one when they asked about the Paris Peace Settlement instead of the Treaty of Versailles and nobody answered it <laughs> uh, because they didn't know it was called that. Um, I'd say that they really just need to know their knowledge uh, and the factor which matches up with what they need to be very much aware of what's going on uh, and they can't just skim over issue three it's something that if you are prepared to answer you need to know um, it's always a good moment when I see pupils realising like they'll just I don't know there'll be like a pupil that's maybe sitting at a C or a B and you're trying really hard to get them right up to a strong B and then they just have a moment where they're like wait so is that like because of the policies? And you're like, yes. And then they're like, oh, and you're just like, oh, I'm so proud. Like this is, I don't know, it's just, they just have a moment and you yeah. just, I just, that's just for me amazing. Um, I think they just struggle to separate what they're gonna use for their evaluation and their counter argument because in evaluation, they need to sort of say like, this was the most important or this was the lesser important or the least important. And in a way, like a lot of their A plus, they need to watch where it's going because they can't repeat it. So. But I think the thing with issue three is that there's so many figures, so many bits of like numbers you can just shove in and suit whatever you want. Like they love that one about $14 million being lost in the one day and stuff like that's mm -hmm. always in an essay. Um, and that's, I feel like it's, it's something that if they know as many figures as possible and they've, they've got their, their knowledge and their analysis, their A plus evaluation all planned out and they've got something new on each of, each of them, they'll be, they'll be fine um, because there's so many things to back their argument up with. Yeah. Out of interest, I mean, I found when I've taught this subject at university even that you sometimes get the problem that students confuse the, the Wall Street crash as being the, the Great Depression. Do you, do you ever have that issue where it's, you have to try and make sure that the crash is just one part of the Great is In essence, it's sort of the starting gun, but yeah. it's not the, by any means the whole thing. Uh -huh. I, I kind of, I know what you mean, like some of us call it like the economic crisis, some of them call it the Great Depression, then there's the Wall Street crash, but I actually never... I never start teaching them about the Wall Street crash. I think it's maybe the last factor I teach, which is a bit strange, but no, I sense. just, I think I want it to just like, they, they never seem to get massively confused. They just, they know it's the catalyst and it's not the cause. It's like the start, I don't know, like, it's not the main reason behind all, it's not the underlying factor, but it's, they know it's like quite an important event. But they, now, now that you said that, I don't know if they have ever got mixed up with that. I've never been asked about like, is that this or that? They just, sometimes it's the economic crisis or the Great Depression, like they don't like, when you say two things and it means the one thing, yeah. they just want to know one thing that they need to remember and that's all they want to know. Yeah. And um, it sounds like the way you're teaching it is probably helping avoid yeah. that confusion. Yeah, yeah definitely, because I know that I've actually had that confusion in my own classroom. It was teaching a whole different topic. Um, it was teaching a rise of the Nazis and a kid turned around to me and was like, but the Great Depression and the Wall Street crash, are they not the same thing? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I had to go home that night and totally rethink. I was like, I've not taught this properly. So that's no. really good. Yeah, that's really I, I, good do, I do remember when I first taught higher though, like I had literally, at the back of my room, I had all the Reform Acts from Britain because that was the first topic I started on. I had the like 1832 Reform Act, 1860, how many people got the vote? And I was so nervous about standing in front and like someone asking me something I didn't know and I just didn't believe in myself that I could do it because I feel like you try so hard to learn National Five yeah. and then like next steps higher than it's advanced but now I feel like I could just roll up and teach higher without even thinking I never thought I'd get there so like it's absolutely fine everybody will get there yeah. but you do need to know your stuff so that the kids have confidence in you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean do we think that there's any links to present day events that we can make this topic relevant for pupils I think it might be harder with this key issue? Um, I don't know about an actual event for me um, but I do I think they just love the economic knowledge like they feel smarter 
And I know that sounds ridiculous, but pupils love saying that women became smarter, so they got the vote. Like, it's one of their favourite lines. I'm like, nobody, no, that's not a thing. They became well-educated. Um, but I, I think I'd say that, like, they just like the economic input. Um, a pupil once said to me that when they were doing business, higher business at the same time, and, like, when they were watching the news and stuff, like, they just felt like when economic terms were introduced or when people were talking about the stock market, like, they actually had a rough idea as to what was being said, whereas mm -hmm. some people just get really uncomfortable with all these terms. Um, I do have like a, a sheet that I start off the entire issue with. So it's like there's a lot of key terms here, so I want you to match them up. And it's like inflation, stock market, GDP, yeah. all that stuff. And they, they get really uncomfortable about it. But I think if you get that out of the way first, and then they're like, all oh, right, so that's what speculation is, and that's what that is. It's actually fine. Um, but they just they just need to be comfortable asking you a question because like there's other people in the room that don't know the answer either, but they just don't put their hand yeah, up. Yeah, don't want to put their um, hand up. So it's just, it is more, you do see that the high flyers shine through in issue three, like if you're un unsure about whether or not someone's a B or an A, like you're certainly sure by the end of the, yeah. the mm -hmm. um, topic who is actually an A. I, th I think in this topic, there's a couple of ways you can make it really relevant to their lives in terms of, you know, in one sense, you could look at it and, you know, what's going on in current politics, take international economic problems, you know, when uh, recently when, when Donald Trump and it was in the American presidency and you had the sort of standoff with China, tariffs were one of the main weapons of choice that were used to sort of separate the countries. And there was a lot of debate going on uh, as a smart because you could end up harming both sides' economic e economies and then you could have similar problems as you did during the Great Depression when, you know, the, the Hoover threw up these tariffs um, that, that made things a lot worse than the situation you already have. But you could also, I think, just relate this topic to their everyday lives. Like, they know what banks are. But one thing to really get into them is the fact that banks, as you think they are, these big, solid, huge institutions, they weren't the banks of the 1920s, which a lot were basically cowboys setting up banks. Um, you know, there was 25,000 banks in America in 1929 all adhering to different rules, all with various amounts of cash deposits, and they could go bust at any time. Mm -hmm. um, and also one of the great sort of social issues of our time, the, the inequalities in power and money. Um, you know, corporations in the 1920s owned, had huge control over the United States economy. I think it was 200 companies controlled half of US corporate wealth in the 1920s. And similarly, in the 1920s, you see economic inequality whereby the rich were getting richer and the rest of society was barely increasing or staying steady. Um, meanwhile, farmers were even losing money throughout the 1920s. So you can latch it on to those sort of, you know, their everyday lives and, and the sort of the social and political issues of our time. Yeah, and I think that's definitely something that um, pupils are very clued in on now. You maybe might not think that they are, but I think especially now when we're talking about inequalities, they they do understand and they do uh, know what's going on in the world at the moment, maybe more than we think we do. And I think that's a really, really good way to kind of tie that in for them and make it make it relevant. Yeah, I think it was really interesting what you're saying about inequality because we like one of the things that we talk about with the Wall Street crash is that yeah, it was sort of the catalyst to like a huge depression kicking off, but it was already sort of in place before with inequalities and. I think we've got a figure of like 42% we're living below the poverty line already or something like that. I don't know where that's sitting mm -hmm. in my brain, but I've just pulled it from somewhere and I think it sounds right. Um, and like the Federal Reserve Board and how many banks were actually controlled. And I think they do probably think 
that they're all the banks like today like they walk into like an RBS and I, I maybe should make more emphasis on the fact that they were a wee bit like we do talk about how they weren't controlled in the same way but I don't think they've actually got a vision of what it looks like and I think adding that sort of story of like oh they're just like people that aren't experienced and when they hear about the people yeah th that's when they started to connect what it might look like um, and yeah. actually walking up to a bank you know there's quite a funny example of a bank there was a bank called the Bank of the United States so it went it went bust um, in the late 1920s or, or, or 1930, I forget exactly when. And everyone around the one, oh my God, the Bank of the United States has gone bust. Like, you know, and it created further runs on banks. It was just called the Bank of the United States. It wasn't in any way official yeah. to the United So, and, and nobody had said, no, you can't call yourself that. No. So, you know, so imagine, imagine, you know, the Bank of England, which is, you know, a huge part of controlling the UK economy. You know, someone said that went bust and that would be a huge deal but not if it was just randomly no. called. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know. I really like the, hearing, like the story about the run on the banks and how everybody yeah. like has this panic mode. And I don't know. And if, it's their money. Yeah, They're just losing uh -huh. their personal savings. Uh -huh. You know, like that is... The you control know, was just Imagine so... their families lost all their money at once. Yeah. You know, just because a bank went uh -huh. worse. Yeah. Know. I remember for the weakness of banks, so we do talk about the 1907 Knickerbocker crisis, like how they kind of got out of that. So actually maybe this wasn't the cause of the depression. Like it's happened before... They kind of got themselves out of it, so therefore, mm -hmm. maybe this isn't the biggest factor. Maybe it's Republican policies and how they're not regulating the banks properly in the first place. So, I like the discussion about that. They like having a wee date and a yeah. wee event to connect things to. They just need to know one line about it. They don't need to read everything into it. But am I right in thinking that was the right one? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's that sounds correct. And one of the interesting things as well to think about, you know, dates in terms of the Great Depression is that, you know, we sort of assume looking back, that they knew from 1920, as soon as the Wall Street crash happened, that we'd integrate the depression. You know, they really don't know until maybe late 1930, they start, oh, there's something not quite right here. I know. Um, you know that famous picture of that woman with her children in the Great Depression, you know, when you yeah, Google it. Yeah, Dorothy Lang photographs, uh -huh. which I think are a brilliant resource yeah. as well. If I, I have, like, all these, like, fame, I've got five famous pictures, and I've got, like, The Falling Man, I've got her, mm. I've got The First Kiss on D-Day, um, I V-Day, V-Day, sorry. Yeah. Um, and all the, I've got these other ones I can't quite remember but I remember this this boy in S1 was like here she looks well depressed and it was just a great moment for me so I was like that is literally the face of the Great Depression like you couldn't have worded that any better what you just said yeah. it's just funny the way they think like my name is <laughs> yeah. wait and here like yeah. I don't have a name there's like wait here yeah. like <laughs> it's, it's interesting I think because I like to you know we're talking about this and we're thinking about how people experience that you know it's called the Great Depression but do you think everybody woke up every morning between 1929 and 1937 whenever we think and we're like I'm depressed I know I think you when know, you talk you about the suicide rates they really start to see how bad like things got like I think that's when they really oh, it's actually really like it is a depression like it's really bad mm -hmm. but, but, but I mean a lot of people would have uh, got through it you know and, and, yeah. and it's like Covid have, yeah you know exactly. like, there's some people you that actually, wake up every day yeah. you know, well, know most people don't you know you yeah. just get on with life yeah you know? 100% just one thing that I thought was worth mentioning um I just think that it's the first one that pupils want to get rid of if they can remove any issue. Like, they'll say, issue three, straight away. And, and even teachers, to be fair, like, in our defence, like, if you are going to drop an issue, that'll be the one you drop. But it's okay. on behalf of the pupils. Like, it's not... I quite like doing it, but this year, for example, with the SQA changes, they've come out a little bit earlier, which is great. Like, we have the option now to drop one thing from the USA and one from Britain, so they might only learn six essays instead of eight. That's a great opportunity to do more in detail and, and learn more rather than like two weeks in essay like you can move to in three or four um but i i do like the republican policies and actually last year i know that the assignments never got picked up in the end but we still completed them in the same way 
Uh, and so I had three pupils pick this question and I was so shocked. But one of them was this guy that verbally was amazing and could talk about anything, like loved the economic chat, loved talking about like the Conservatives and all these political parties, but he couldn't write it down. But mm. issue three for his assignment, he had longer to think about it, he had longer to like rehearse it and go over it. And it was a really good assignment. And I felt that I was quite surprised he picked that because he was like a C candidate, but he ended up getting an A in his assignment oh, because wow. I looked at it because it ended up not being, like I was technically allowed to like mark it, if you know what I mean. Um, but it was, I just, I was quite shocked that the sort of weaker pupils chose that, but then they have an interest in the sort of, I don't know, it's like the intelligence thing, like they like the economic knowledge that you feel that like you can discuss the economy a bit more and be aware of things. I think they just, they quite like gaining that on. Um, and it's just around revision time, you know, it's always the one that they're they're stressing about and you always say like, which one are we going to revise today? Like if we'll have a revision day, like everyone says that's the one that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's just an uncomfortability around numbers and dates and things, but there, yeah, there are pupils so that love it, you know, yeah. like there are, like it's yeah. it's nice because issue one and issue three, I feel for me, like, cause I do issue one, issue three, and then issue two and issue five, like there's a lot of black history between two and five and mm -hmm. they get mixed up with them, but they do not get mixed up with issue one and three, right. which is really nice because they're completely separate. Like one's immigration and one's economic. Yeah. So you just can't, you can't right. get mixed yeah. up. Yeah, so they're just so different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is funny cause that's actually sometimes what we've heard is why some educators will miss out issues three and four is because it is so different from one to mm -hmm. five and six and they feel that pupils like the running theme of the kind of civil rights movement. I would probably disagree with that, you know. That's interesting, Like, yeah. I get that with the civil rights, but mine really don't like issue two and issue five. Like, they get really confused. So is that, is Rosa Parks? I'm like, no, issue five, right. And Emmett, um, yeah, that's this issue. Like, and KKK are there. And I think because it's like, you're talking, I know it's different dates and I, they just, they just struggle a little bit because a lot of the background that they use for their issue five is issue two. Like that's basically what we talk about. Um, but I think like with Britain, for example, like the liberal reforms, like mine just, we get to the, like, we do issue four, the reasons for the liberal reforms and we do issue five, how effective and they're just done and they don't like it. They don't like the running theme. So that's interesting that some do. Thank you so much to both Dr. Mark McClay and Beth McIntyre for joining us today. Some of the key advice I think we can take from today's episode is to embrace the diversity of issue three as pupils will enjoy the opportunity to show off their economic knowledge. Also humanising the Great Depression using storytelling as it really helps to engage the pupils. And finally, using primary resources such as Dorothea Lang's wonderful photographs. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Podcasts in the Past. Don't forget, you can check out the link in the podcast description to access our tools and resources. Thank you and see you next time on Podcasts in the Past, where we will be discussing Key Issue 4, Effectiveness of the New Deal.